When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good Monday afternoon to you. Hope your week's off to a great start. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. A little later in the show, we will be joined by Alice Williams, Browns beat reporter for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Talk about the Browns' uh, first preseason game, what lies ahead. And uh, we will begin by talking Browns with Scott Petrak, Browns beat reporter for the Illyria Chronicle Telegram, as well as uh, host of uh, BrownZone.com. Um, Scott, some uh, roster moves made uh, a little bit ago, about a half hour ago, made official. And um, not really a surprise, Steven Carlson, uh, fourth tight end, if you will, uh, on IR, um, as well as Ryan Switzer and a couple of guys cut. None of these really big surprises. Um, I guess when you're going from 90 to 85, there isn't anything that's, uh, that's a huge surprise. Yeah, you know, Steven Carlson's obviously the biggest news. I thought he was going to make the roster. He's at four tight end. We know Kevin Stefanski loves to use his two and three tight end sets. Um, so now the question for me becomes, all right, do you keep a fourth guy, whether or not it's somebody on your roster or go and find somebody, you know, when cuts happen? Or do you say, no, we're happy with our three, and maybe you keep a fullback who you were, you know, wondering if you keep. Do you keep a fourth running back in Dernis Johnson? I, I think those are the kind of long-term decisions that need to be made. And, you know, you bring up the fullback. Johnny Stanton looked pretty good and looked really versatile, and that's a guy that did play tight end uh, at one point in time in his career, so you might be able to use him there in a pinch. Is that kind of where where you were going with that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, they ran him. They used him in a bunch of different ways, like you mentioned on Saturday night. Um, you know, he doesn't seem like a prototypical tight end to me, um, but maybe you do have a, a little hybrid there. Um, a guy that could line up on the end if you needed him to, could line up in the backfield and be your lead blocker. I don't think Andy Janovich has that kind of flexibility. I think he's just a straight-ahead fullback guy. Um, you know, Kevin Stefanski loves his fullback, and both those guys, Stanton and Janovich, were out there a lot Saturday night. Um, I, I just kind of wonder, if you have so many receivers you like, and you have three tight ends that you really like, and you have three or four running backs, do you need to keep a fullback? And I'm thinking the Browns will. But I'm just not sure it's 100% of certainty. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. So uh, let's move on. What jumped out uh, when, when you're watching the Jaguars and, and Browns game? What what really stood out to you? What kind of grabbed your attention? Yeah, I mean, there are three guys that stood out. You know, Jeremiah, Wusu Koromoa, um, you know, game high, eight tackles, three for loss. He had a sack. Just the speed. And we knew that's what the Browns loved for him coming out of Notre Dame. We saw it on the blitz up the middle, and he got the sack. And – We've seen that a lot in training camp. Now, he got a late start to training camp because he was on the COVID list. But since he's come back, that's been what stood out to me the most about JOK is that Joe Woods has blitzed him a bunch. And I don't I don't know if we saw a bunch of linebackers blitz that much last year. Nothing really jumps out at me. Um, so I think that's a new wrinkle in the defense. Uh, Donald Peoples-Jones, he's had a great start to training camp. I think that just carried over against the Jaguars. He looked good. He made the one-handed catch for a first down. And then Dimitri Felton, that sixth-round pick out of UCLA, you know, he was a run. He started his career at UCLA as a receiver, transitioned to running back, got drafted as a running back, but the Browns were going to cross-train him. And he only played receiver Saturday night. Um, he returned kicks and played on special teams, but he didn't have any um, snaps at running back. And I think the Browns are going to use him both ways, but he just looked really comfortable in that slot. And I, I don't know if there's going to be any snaps for him during the regular season because – 
you know, I said there's a bunch of running backs and receivers, but he can play in this league, and, and I think he continued to prove that Saturday. You know, it's kind of interesting. Two of the guys that you mentioned are late-round picks, one from last year, one from this year. So that says something about, you know, the, the talent that Andrew Barry's uncovering. The thing that really stood out to me is it just looked like a well-coached football team. You, you didn't see a lot of missed tackles. Um, there wasn't a lot. There's always going to be penalties, but it wasn't like, oh, geez, they're offside again, or, oh, the, another false start. It, it, it looked well-coached. Yeah, there's no doubt. That was a big picture takeaway, David. And, you know, even getting the plays in into the huddle, right? We How many times have we seen Browns in the regular season have to waste timeouts because they couldn't get the play in in time and couldn't get it communicated? And that just wasn't an issue Saturday. And you had a bunch of backups play. And we're talking deep down the depth chart. And for those guys to know what they were doing, um, obviously be comfortable enough in the plays and the game plan, to execute it, I, I think that does speak well to the coaching. And it's not just Kevin Stefanski, it's the whole coaching staff. What about the rookies? You mentioned JOK. Who um, who else? And Felton. So what else did you see from the rookie class? Because that those were the guys that uh, Kevin Stefanski was anxious to see. Sure. Well, you know, Greg Newsom the second. You start with him, right? First-round pick. Um, I thought he played well. You know, he gave up the one completion kind of on a – not busted play, but a scramble drill where – he had his guy covered, and then he broke off his route, and his coverage was still pretty good, and he tried to, you know, try the ball loose as they went to the ground. Um, I thought he made, a, he made a tackle on a third down play that he gave up the completion, but tackled him short of the first down. Jaguars went for it on fourth down and didn't get it, so that's a big tackle right there. And he looked comfortable, and I think he's only going to get better. And then it becomes, does he take over that starting spot from Greedy Williams? And then James Hudson, I watched, I rewatched the game today, and spent some time watching James Hudson, the fourth-round offensive lineman. Started the game at left tackle, moved over to right tackle to get some experience there, and played okay, but there was a one series, I think it was the third quarter, where he had three or four bad reps in a row, I thought, and he gave up pressure around the edge, and then the, he, gave, he kind of set wide, and then the next play, the guy spun inside him. So I think those are learning, you know, learning lessons for the guy. Um, hopefully... Chris Hubbard is fine, and he'll be your sixth um, offensive lineman and your swing tackle, so Hudson can be – now, it doesn't have to be pressed into service right away, but he's a big dude. He's strong. I think he just needs to refine that um, pass protection technique. And keep in mind, again, that's a guy that was a defensive lineman, so he's he's new to the position, and give Bill Callahan a little bit of time with him, and, and I think – what you're talking about, the refinement will happen. I, I know you um you, you had a chance to talk to Tommy Togiai and uh, take us through that and what you learned, where that's going, and and that story with Togiai. Yeah, and I thought he showed up once or twice Saturday night. He had a, one pressure where he kind of you know got some interior pressure. I talked to Larry Johnson, the really respected D line coach at Ohio State, about Tommy, and then I wanted to talk to Tommy in camp before I wrote the story. And, you know, he comes from Idaho, um, which, you know, obviously not a hotbed of NFL talent, but was a big-time prospect because he was so strong and quick for his size. And he started lifting weights when he was 10. I think he said at 13 he was already benching 225. His dad would have all the kids run around the house, like, for miles, like two miles a day would just like do laps around the house. And they had a pretty big piece of property. And Tommy said that even if his, his dad worked late, he worked at a – like a food processing plant, I think. And he would get home and he said, did you get your laps in? And the kids were all like, yeah, you know, like that was something they made sure was done before dad got home. And it instilled some discipline in him, a routine. And then he really just loved lifting weights. So he'd get done with football practice and want his mom to take him back to the gym so he could lift weights some more. Um, he said he benched, he did a record between uh, mini camp and training camp. I think it said it was 545 that he benched. And that was more than he'd ever done before. So, you know, you got him inside and you have Andrew Billings, who Chris Kiffin, the D-line coach, called the strongest guy he's ever been around. So, you know, I think it's if Tommy's going to succeed in this league, it's because he's got incredible strength. And then he has a hustling thing that a lot of guys that are 295 pounds don't have. And he'll chase down a play and you saw it at Ohio State. He's a humble guy. Um, he's got, you know, he's a smart guy, good, you know, football IQ. So, you know, I think he'll start the season maybe as the fourth or fifth D tackle. 
but I think he's one of those guys with some upside, and you hope he continues to climb up that depth chart. Scott Petrick, Browns beat reporter for the Lyria Chronicle Telegram. Now I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, uh, we'll listen in to who Mike Tannenbaum thinks will win the AFC North. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Life is getting back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-C can help with tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to tri-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. So, what are you waiting for? Register now for fall classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. We continue talking Browns with Scott Petrak from the Illyria Chronicle Telegram, as well as uh, brownzone.com. You can read all of Scott's stuff on brownzone.com as well. Mike Tannenbaum, former GM uh, in the NFL, now on ESPN's Get Up. The question, who will win the AFC North? Here's Mike Tannenbaum. It's the Browns, and we've already talked about them offensively. And Again, Baker Mayfield, we could argue if he's good or great, but... They've been very productive. On the other side of the ball, Jadavion Clowney, if they get enough production out of him, Greeny, where they just can't always slide protection to Miles Garrett, this defense is going to be as good as that offense. This is a team that could compete in the AFC deep into the playoffs. Absolutely. Look, they also drafted really well on the defensive side of the ball, first and second rounds of this year's draft. They could be a whole lot better. Let's bring back in Scott Petrak and Scott. Um, the national guys are starting to starting to see it's, the, the Browns are right there with the Ravens for that AFC North. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I haven't made my season picks yet, but it's a toss-up between the Browns and the Ravens. You know, the only thing one of the things holding me back is that the Ravens won both games a year ago. Uh, I kind of want to see the Browns prove it, um, but I think if you go the whole roster. I like the Browns roster better. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson has obviously played like an MVP before and Baker hasn't and quarterback is so important. So, you know, you give a little bit of edge there to Lamar, at least based on history, maybe not this year and moving forward. Um, you know, I like both coaching staffs. I really like the organization of the Ravens. So I, I think it's going to be a tight battle. I think it's going to come down to those two back-to-back -back games for the Browns with a bye week sandwich in the middle. Um, about who wins the division. If either team can sweep, then I think they win the division. If they split, then it could come down to week 17 just to see who wins whatever. Is it 12 games versus 11 or 13 versus 12? Yeah, and I think both of them are going to be factors in the AFC playoffs as well. All right, so um, kind of a unique week. Uh, the Browns will have joint practices in Berea with the New York Giants. How important are those? What are you looking for um, out of them? Yeah, I think they're really important. And I know Kevin Stefanski thinks they're really important. It meant something to him last year before the preseason was canceled. And, you know, teams had to change their training camp plans. They were going to go up and practice against Green Bay. So he really values them. He thinks I think he thinks they're more important in the preseason because you can dictate 
what the circumstances are. Okay, we're going to work on two minutes. And in a game, you're not guaranteed a two-minute situation. We can work on a bunch of red zone or third down. And that does, you know, preseason, it's a lot of it's left up to luck. So that's what he likes about it. He likes seeing a different team's scheme on offense and defense as opposed to practicing against yourself the entire training camp. So he's looking forward to those. And I think, you know, because I don't think we're going to see the starters play much at all in the preseason in general. So I think these two practices could be, you know, the most important of the preseason, of the whole training camp slash preseason. Yeah, and, and you know, again, just in case people don't remember, three seas- three preseason games, two-week gap between that third one and the beginning of the regular season. So um, it, it seems like they're trying to lessen the impact um, on the players' bodies of the preseason as well. Are, are there some position groups that kind of have you intrigued um, with with this, where, where Browns and Giants are joint pra- jointly practicing? Yeah, you know, I, I think secondary. Um, I want to see Greg Newsom against another opponent, Greedy Williams against another opponent besides his teammates and, you know, a little bit of reps against Jacksonville. Um, the D-line, whether it's the backup ends, I mean, we know Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, right? But we Tack McKinley is a big question mark because he's not with the team for personal reasons. So then you're looking at guys like Port Augustine and Joe Jackson and Curtis Weaver. And can those guys, and uh, Cameron Mar- Malvo, who was with the starters on Saturday, which one of those guys or which couple of those guys can step up and earn a spot and make the Browns comfortable that he can be their third guy if necessary when you get to week one, if McKinley's not there, um, I want to see how they do. And then on the interior of the defensive line, there's a lot of guys fighting for that, you know, third, fourth, fifth spot on the roster. Um, what about Baker Mayfield? Do you think he plays against the Giants in the preseason, or, or would you be surprised? And, and I, I'm sure Kevin Stefanski will be grilled about that coming up starting tomorrow, but do you think Baker plays? I don't. I just think it's a risk-reward. Um, you don't want to get a guy hurt. Um, if you play Baker, then you probably have to play the whole offensive line and you're risking five more guys there. Um, and, you know, when you practice against the team for two days, you can build up an animosity, you can build up familiarity that's too much. And, and I don't know if you want to put your star guys, your key guys, out there for a third matchup against the Giants within four days. I think you do it when Baker's wearing the orange jersey and can't be hit, right? You don't have full-speed tackling. Um, in Berea, or at least you don't have a lot of it, and you can manage it. I, I just think it's safer that way, and to me, smarter that way. The question for me is if Baker and the starters play at all in that finale against Atlanta, and I'm not even convinced they will there because what good is 15 reps, you know, on August 29th or whatever, I think it's 29th, two weeks before the season, I, I just don't know if if there's that advantage to – the risk of a guy rolling an ankle or getting rolled up to and spraining a knee. Yeah, and, and keeping in mind that you have an additional regular season game as well. You gotta, you're gotta, you trying to get these guys through 17. It's tough enough to get them through 16. Now you make it 17. That's exactly right. And you expect to play three or four postseason games, right? I mean, that's a long season. Um, it, it's about getting those guys to January in as best shape as possible. Scott Petrak and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, uh, Bleacher Report with power rankings. We'll also talk about three guys who uh, some folks think improved their stock during the preseason game number one. Sports for CLE will be right back. Talking Browns when we return. Life is getting back on track, and so is the job market. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try Seek and Help with tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to try-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. Register now for online and on-campus classes. Try-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. 
So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the original mattress factory. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. We continue talking Browns with Browns beat reporter Scott Petrak. Uh, Kimberly Martin, also on ESPN's Get Up. Same question as we heard Mike Tannenbaum. Who will win the AFC North? Here's Kimberly Martin. I'm going Browns, and I'm glad Dominique brought up trusting the organization because the reason I believe in the Browns is actually has nothing to do I shouldn't say nothing to do with what's on the field, but it's really about the front office and Kevin Stefanski. We've been here before with the Browns. It's a team that seems on the verge of being good, and then they take a step back. I actually think Andrew, Andrew Barry and uh, Kevin Stefanski, I think they have this organization headed in the right direction, and you've seen Baker take steps. I think they'll take another one this year. I think that's a really important point because this is the franchise that for so many years couldn't get anything right. I and now it, it just goes to show you, you get the right people mm -hmm. in charge, yeah. and now that entire level of confidence turns. And, uh, Scott, I, I got to agree with that. I, it, there haven't been too many missteps by Andrew Berry since he's taken over. I, I can't really think of any at this point. No, he, he's done a great job, and, again, in trying circumstances a year ago, right, he and Kevin Stefanski had to deal with uh, having the season during that pandemic. It was completely different, both their first year on the job. Um, yeah, I, I thought Andrew Berry walked into a really good situation, talent-wise. Um, Kevin Stefanski as well, but Kevin Stefanski, you know, he took over for a coach who wasn't successful when they were 6-10, and 10, and he did a great job turning him around. And I think there's a sense of stability. You include Paul DePodesta in that um, triumvirate, kind of the power structure in Berea. And, they're just, yeah, you're right. There haven't been a lot of missteps um, since Andrew Barry took over. It feels like he continues to build on the strong roster that he took over and with some big moves. You know, last year was about supporting Baker Mayfield with Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper and Jedrick Wills in the draft. And this year it was a defensive overhaul. So I, I don't think you can overstate the importance of, you know, not having dysfunction in the organization because Kimberly was right. That was the downfall for more than one talented Browns team, and you only have to go back to 2019 when everybody thought they would be good and they weren't, and that had a lot to do with um, poor coaching and kind of poor, I guess, dynamics within the organization. The, the other thing is, and again, they're going to have draft picks that don't hit. That's just the nature of the NFL draft. But when you start getting late-round picks like a Donovan Peoples-Jones, like a Demetric Felton, who look like they can contribute, that's a sign that there is a system and you know your system and you know what you're looking for. And that's why teams like the Steelers and the Ravens seem to always hit on those fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh-round draft picks. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, and I do think, you know, they talk so much about alignment. And I think maybe people roll their eyes, but it's legitimate and it's important because the front office has to listen to the coaching staff and okay this is what we're looking at for in a player and a player at each position and the coaching staff has to trust the front office to listen and go get those kind of guys and that wasn't always the case you know you talk about john dorsey and hugh jackson we're not on the same page and we can go back you know through the litany um but these guys are on the same page and i feel like there is systems in places, and it starts with the coaching staff. And they say, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for offensive linemen that can get out and run in the wide zone scheme. And Andrew Barry's going to go find those type of guys. Yeah, and so far, so good. Let's, let's knock on wood or whatever's around, but um, it, it has been good. So Bleacher Report came out with their NFL power rankings. Tampa Bay number one, Kansas City number two. Buffalo third, the Browns fourth, uh, Green Bay fifth, and Baltimore sixth. So the Browns up at four, which – is high, but it's a really good roster. Yeah, you know, my first reaction is, man, that is high. 
But I start to run through the NFL teams, and I, I would go Chiefs first, Buccaneers second. I know how the Super Bowl ended, um, but I still would put the Chiefs higher. Um, and then I think Bills is three, makes sense. And then those are the other three teams for me in that discussion. Browns, Packers, Ravens. You know, if you want to throw the 49ers in there at some level, um, I think Tennessee is another notch below. Um, you know, Seattle somewhere in that mix. But, yeah, I think I don't think it's outlandish to put the Browns four. Again, it goes back to, you know, how do you rate them versus the Ravens inside the division? Um, you know, how much weight do you give Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Because, obviously, quarterbacks waste things, but I think the Browns have a better overall roster than Green Bay. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Browns fit, and, you know, I think they're one of three or four teams that can legitimately talk about getting out of the AFC um, and getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and having said that, you and I both realize they have to go out on the field and do it, but um, I don't think it's ridiculous, and I don't think people should roll their eyes or chuckle when they're put up that that high. All right, uh, who do you think needs to have a, a good week, if you will, um, against the Giants, guys that might be kind of on that bubble. Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, I, I think about the D line and like I've talked about the backup D ends and the backup D tackles, but a couple guys that we might get to see coming off injury. Kevin Stefanski didn't say who exactly would be back, but he's hoping um, a couple of those hamstring guys that were out last week come back. And, and Grant Delpit and Anthony Schwartz come to mind. Grant Delpit obviously missed all of last year. There was no preseason. He only had about, I don't know, six or seven practices in training camp before he ruptured, before that Achilles ruptured a year ago. And then it felt like he was over the Achilles, and then he gets the hamstring. So I just think you need to see him out on the field, and it would be great if some of those reps could come against the Giants. And then same thing for Anthony Schwartz. He's had a hammy he had in the offseason. Now he has it in training camp. The Browns want this guy to be on the field. They think they can take advantage of his incredible speed and that will open things up for the rest of the offense. But he needs, again, he needs to be out in the field. He needs to show that that hamstring can withstand NFL practices without being such a nuisance to him. So those are two guys that I would, first of all, hope return to the field and then want to see him do well against the Giants. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. All right, Uh, this is according to BrownsNation.com, three players who improved their stock. Uh, Richard LeCount, Demetric Felton, uh, and wide receiver Davion Davis. Uh, and LeCount's got it showed up. Yeah, he is. And, he, you know, he's kind of an interesting draft pick. He got, I think he was all overlooked a lot because he had, you know, serious injury last year. He's riding a motorbike back home after a game, I think it was, and he got in a traffic accident and he missed the rest of the season and he couldn't really work out leading up to the draft and kind of had a quiet camp but showed up. And part of that is because Delpit's not on the field and Ronnie Harrison's not on the field because they're hurt. John Johnson III didn't play because he's one of the starters. So he got a number of reps and showed up. They almost had an interception on the sideline, had an interception at the end of the half, made a couple of tackles around the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I don't, I think when we started training camp, I would have said, you know, maybe he's a guy that gets cut and winds up on the practice squad. Um, After Saturday night, I would think, He's got a better chance of winning one of those four or five safety jobs, um, especially Shelter Gredwine. He's had an ankle injury. Keeping him out opens up what could be a roster spot. Uh, we talked about Felton. And uh, who's the third guy? Davion Davis. Oh, Davion Davis. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> touchdown. And then he made a couple other nice catches. He showed the ability to run inside and outside. I don't think he's got a chance to make the roster, but I think he's got a chance to stick on the practice squad which is impressive for a guy that wasn't even on the roster when training camp started. Yeah, and again, uh, it's going to be awfully tough for anybody to crack that wide receiver group. I mean, right. the Browns, and when's the last time we said that? There's too many guys that can play wide receiver in this, uh, in this camp without question. We touched on JOK a little bit. Um, some people have said, well, you know, he, he had trouble getting off of blocks. The key is they don't want him to get to the point where blocks get to him. That the, you know, you want him running free, uh, sideline to sideline, and, and running up to the line of scrimmage. That's where he's dangerous. No doubt, and I think Saturday it's a preseason game, and he's playing against backups. But I think he showed the ability to beat one-on-one blocking. Right? What you don't want is him in the middle of the scrum, and he's getting blocked by a tackle and a guard because he's not going to get off those blocks he's only whatever he is 225 pounds or whatever that number is um you do want him running in space you want him blitzing 
and he showed some timing there on the blitzes. You want him covering. You want him going sideline to sideline, like you said. So, you know, he's not – I think his uh, fan base or even his media, you have to get used to the type of player that he is. And it's not a prototypical middle linebacker basher. It's a guy that can run. And if you just look at him, especially with wearing the number 28, he looks like a safety. If you lined him up next to Richard LeCount the third, they look a lot alike physically, but that doesn't mean JOK can't play weak side linebacker and be successful for you. No, and, and they're gonna they're not gonna ask him to do the things that he can't do. That's that's the sign that I really like about this coaching staff. Uh, before we go to break, real quick, what'd you think of uh, Kyle Laletta? You know, the the third string quarterback. Yeah, I, I thought he talked about raising your stock. I thought he did a really good job. Threw two touchdowns, handled everything well, got in and out of the huddle. And, you know, you watch him in practice and, you know, as a, you know, as a reporter, you watch, you keep all your eyes on the starters. And when the backups are in, you still watch, but maybe that's when you send a tweet or, you know, you check to make sure you're not missing any news. Um, but when I've watched him, he doesn't have the strongest arm. And I kind of wondered, all right, you know, does he really belong in the NFL? Um, could they upgrade at that third quarterback who will probably be on the practice squad, but, you need a third quarterback who knows your system in case, you know, something happens to Baker or Case Keenum. And I think the way Lalletta played Saturday makes me think that the Browns can stick with him as that third guy on the practice squad. Yeah, I, I again, I, I didn't really have a preconceived notion, but I, I thought he looked like an NFL quarterback, which is what you want from your third-string quarterback. Scott Patrick and I going to step aside, take a quick timeout on the other side of the break. A couple of the Browns cracked the NFL's top 100. They announced the first half of that. We'll take a look at that. Plus, who on the defensive line stood out to, to Scott? The guys that got to play, that is, against the Jaguars. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. We continue talking Browns with Scott Petrak, Browns beat reporter. Uh, NFL.com unveiled their top 100 players in the NFL, at least the first half of it. These are voted on by players. Uh, it's one of the only things where players vote on the top 100. A uh, couple of Browns in that first half of the top 100. Jarvis Landry checks in at 94. And when you see what NFL.com wrote, six year in a row that uh, Jarvis has been in the top 100, lowest ranking since um, 2016 when he was 98. And Scott, it's important to note, Jarvis kind of was rehabbing, didn't really get a chance to do the things he normally would do in the offseason a year ago. Um, talked about it this year and how much better he feels. So um, I think Landry's posed to, poised to have a pretty good year. Yeah, that's a great point. I was thinking the same thing. You know, I think... 
I didn't know. I mean, I knew he was in pain with the broken ribs last year, and I knew the hip, he still wasn't 100%, but I don't think I appreciated fully that he didn't have a normal offseason and what that means to a player like Jarvis Landry, who, you know, his body is so finely tuned and he spends the offseason getting faster and stronger and, you know, kind of tweaking his body the way he wants it. And he just couldn't do that last offseason because of the hip surgery. So the fact that he was still a top 100 player a year ago speaks really highly of Jarvis. And I do think he'll have a better year this year. Now, stat-wise, who knows how it's going to play out. Odell's back and you have so many options. Um, But I think Jarvis will look better and feel better. And he does look, to me, he looks quick and strong out there. Um, and, um, you know, the the other guy that's in the top 100, this one for the first time, Baker Mayfield, uh, checks in at number 71. Um, and uh, the thing they make the point of, last we saw Mayfield was nearly leading the Browns to a huge playoff upset of the Chiefs after playing the best ball of his pro career during the second half of 2020. And, um, again, Scott, I think being in the same system for two years with Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, I think he's going to take off, and, and um, I think he's poised for a real nice year. I do, too. And, you know, we've talked about extensions, and that's one of the reasons I think the Browns should give him an extension because I think he's going to have a big year, and um, I, I believe they're convinced that he's the guy. And, you know, we saw such progress a year ago and continuity among coaches and among teammates and system – I just think it's huge, and I think Baker's in a better place mentally and physically. He's in better shape than he was in 2019. I think he's matured some, and I think that all points to Baker having a better year. And, you know, being in the top 100, you know, if you're going to win the Super Bowl, um, your quarterback better be in the top 100. And I think this is a sign, not that they're directly connected, but I think it's a sign that the league recognizes um, Baker's a quarterback on a really good team. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I, I think he is. I think he's been the leader of that team for a while. But I, I, I really like what I'm hearing from um, from Baker in this camp. Who on the defensive line do you think stood out? The guys that played, who kind of grabbed your attention against Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, Porter Gustin got a sack, right? So obviously that stands out. It was uh, Trevor Lawrence, so you know everybody saw it. Um, and he's a guy that I don't think he had a sack last year. He played a bunch was more of a kind of a run defender. Um, when we talk about guys that need to be there in case Miles and um, Jadavion Clowney don't play, you know, he's right at the top of that list. So it was good to see that. And then Joe Jackson, you know, when I think about ends and I talk about, you know, training camp battles, he was kind of off my radar. It was Port Augustine and Curtis Weaver kind of fighting for that fourth spot. But Joe Jackson's been ahead of Weaver on the depth chart every time I pay attention to it. And he showed up. The fourth down stop that I mentioned earlier that Greg Newsom set up, he was in on the play. Um, so those are two guys that I think, you know, if, the, if they have to be the Browns' third and fourth guys when the season starts because we don't know about Tack McKinley, um, I don't think that's as bad as it could be. I, I think the Browns have some confidence because they have played for him a bit in the past. What are your thoughts about the kicking battle? Um, I the kicks were made. <laughs> there, was, there was a little bit of drama with, with one of them, but um, is, is it truly a battle that's going on there? Or? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I don't know if I would have felt that way when training camp started. Um, you know, every time you have two kickers, it's, you know, they call it a battle because, you know, there's two guys there. Um, but Cody Park, he was pretty good last year. He's 11 for 11 in the playoffs. He felt like a pretty strong incumbent. And, but... You know, he had a rough start to training camp. He was one for five on that first field goal drill. And at least from my perspective, that, you know, kind of shakes your belief if you're the coaches. And nobody panicked, but I think you say, okay, let's let's really look at the other guy. And Chase McLaughlin's been good. Um, you know, he looked steadier on Saturday night. You know, Parkey needed the upright. Um, I, I would still give a slight edge to Parkey just because he's got more experience. But, you know, I feel like right now it's – you know, 50-50, that it's a true competition that the next two, three weeks are going to decide who's the kicker. And then just the other note is when you have that kind of kicking situation and you don't have a Justin Tucker, then it's really a week-to-week situation, right? I mean, we saw Austin Seibert get cut early last year um, because if, if you haven't built up enough trust among the coaching staff in front office, 
that's a tough position because if you miss one or two, um, they're not afraid to move on from you. And, you know, the flip side of it is there's going to be a game or two that comes down to special teams kicking. So we, I, I get that thought process. Are there any areas that have you concerned? What position groups are, are you looking at and going, if we could upgrade here? I, I mean, it's not it's nowhere near what it's been in the past, but um, is, right. is, there a, is there an area that you think, boy, if they upgrade that, that might help? You know what? It's, I mean, no, no huge one, obviously. You know, I look at linebacker and I feel better about it than I did at the start of camp because I think Mac Wilson has played better. I thought Mac Wilson was a guy that was on the bubble or maybe outside the bubble, and now I think he probably makes the team. Um, the shoulder injury is only a sprain. It doesn't seem like it's going to keep him out um, much, if at all. So that's good for Mac. And I think if you have Mac and then you add that to JOK and Jacob Phillips and Anthony Walker Jr. and Taki Taki. All of a sudden, you got enough guys at linebacker. Um, that D-end, I keep bringing it up, but I really think that's such a hugely important position. And we know the we know Clowney's injury history, so let's just assume he's going to miss some games this year. Then it becomes okay. You thought, well, Tack McKinley can step in, right? He's a former first-round pick. But it just feels like such an unknown with Tack now, and I'm sure he'll be back. I fully expect he'll be back at some point. But we haven't seen a lot of him that – all of a sudden, I question the depth. So that's the position right now that I'm not exactly sure how we'll play out when we get to roster cut down in week one. Yeah, I would agree. If Tack McKinley comes back and shows that flash of what he can be, it kind of answers a lot of questions. Scott Patrick, uh, Browns beat reporter for the Illyria Chronicle Telegram. You can also watch his uh, or read his work on brownzone.com. Scott, thanks for the time and the insight. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, Scott Petrek again. You can read him on brownzone.com, also in the Illyria Chronicle Telegraph. We're going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. Uh, Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, will join us. We'll continue talking Browns. Sports for CLE will be right back. Life is getting back on track, and so is the job market. Be ready with the training you right. need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try Seek and Help with tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to try-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. Register now for online and on-campus classes. Try-C is where futures begin. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. Sports for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns football. Let's welcome in Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter from Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Ellis, uh, Browns defense, some new players. What did we learn about it uh, in week one of the preseason against Jacksonville? It appears the Browns and defensive coordinator Joe Woods are trying to transition from a more bend but don't break style in 2020, one that was predicated on trying to find turnovers to a attacking style, more man coverage scheme now in 2021. The Browns were really incapable of playing man defense or blitzing last year. They were bottom fourth percentile in both groups. And what really what that tells you is 
having a play zone is an athlete issue. They did not have the bodies, the one-on-one matchups that they favored due to just a depleted roster. Now, Greedy Williams, of course, missing time, losing Grant Delpit. Now they come in and, you know, uh, and Jim Andrew Barry has given the Browns an opportunity to now have better athletes on the field, and then they can go out and do exactly what athletes do, win man-to-man matchups and be the aggressor rather than being on your heels and hoping for you know field goals or turnovers. They can blitz more and be in your face and play man defense. You know, you mentioned last year, again, it, that's a sign of a good coaching staff. You figure out a way to win with what you have. Um, and Joe Woods, again, keep in mind, they're a, a, a stop and, and a good offensive set from going to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, exactly. And Joe Woods made the most out of what he could with the pieces he had last year. And now we're seeing this team understand what it has again, retool, refocus, and they're going to go out and play a different brand of football on defense. And I, and I think we're going to see that a little bit on offense too. You know, we can't pencil these coaches or box these coaches in for just the exact style they were in 2020. This staff is too curious. They challenged themselves too much to just come out and give you exactly what they did a year ago. So I think this defense is going to play completely different than they did last year. So uh, one of the battles that everybody was talking about going in is between Greg Newsom and Greedy Williams, um, opposite Denzel Ward. Ward's been banged up, so both of them actually played uh, quite a bit. Um, how, does that, how does that battle, if you will, for lack of a better term, how's that shaking out so far between Williams and, uh, and Newsom? It's been quite uneventful, really, through camp and even through this first preseason game. A large reason for that is the limited snap count they're using with Greedy Williams. He only played about 18 or 19 snaps on Saturday night. Uh, Kevin Spancy came out and said they had the same game plan or pitch count, if you will, for Chris Hubbard, another guy coming back from a tough injury in 2020. So just due to the limited opportunities we're seeing from Greedy Williams, you can tell that the matchup really or the, the battle hasn't really materialized. That being said, it probably does give Greg Newsom an advantage just because he's been out there and he, and he is a first round pick and for good reason. He's incredibly intelligent young man. He's athletic as it gets out there at the outside corner. They're cross training him to be a slot guy as well. He, he can be physical. He can, he can play off coverage. He's got a lot of promise and he's going to probably be out there right away in week one. Yeah. And the other thing is, Whichever one of them does not win the starting job will see plenty of playing time. You'll see plenty of Greedy Williams and Greg Will, uh, Greg Newsom as well. Um, Richard LeCount, that's a guy I know, you know we've talked about before. You wrote about him. Um, were you surprised he showed up the way he did in, in the first preseason game when, when he got on the field? I wasn't at all. Richard LeCount, I think, is this new breed of safety that uh, is going to – probably start getting picked higher and higher because though they don't run blazing 40 speeds and they're not going to be your Earl Thomas type safeties. That's not what this league is now. It's more of a sideline to sideline quick passing game. And that takes incredible understanding of what's happening in front of you, quick twitch and just tape recognition. And Richard account has all that. And he was coming back from a, a tough knee injury anyway. So he probably wasn't at his most athletic during those testing numbers. So being able to find the count where they did, and now they're going to develop him. And he's learning from a guy like John Johnson. I, I expect uh, big things, probably not this year for the count, just because it's going to be a busy room once Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpa get back. But, you know, two, three years from now, Richard LeCount has a real opportunity to make a name for himself playing a position that is really undervalued in the league. But here in Cleveland, Andrew Barry, Joe Woods, Kevin Zafanski understand what it can do for a defense. Okay, so Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play. Jarvis Landry didn't play. How impressed were you with uh, the Browns that did play wide receiver week one against Jacksonville? Yeah, it's a loaded group. You know, so let's start with first the, the coach, Chad O'Shea. I think he deserves a lot of credit for what, how he's able to get anyone really out there and get them ready to play a football game and go up and make plays for the football. There's Damian Davis or Ryan Switzer. You know, they know how to find the football and win it. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been winning jump balls and contested catches and sideline balls all throughout camp. He caught the first uh, pass of the game in the preseason on Saturday. He was targeted, I think, four times in the first 12 plays. He, he's going to be a guy who can handle high volume opportunities when that time comes. Again, that's probably not this year, but but down the road as we look at these fr- uh, fr- well rookie and sophomore style players the Browns have brought in under first year GM Andrew Barry a year ago, now going into their second year together and in a full 
uh, preseason and full training camp, as you will. So you're seeing the the maturation process of these young guys take form. And I think the wide receiver room, we didn't even mention Richard Higgins is a guy who continues to just be there and be reliable. And that's what this room is going to continue to do as they add Odell Beckham Jr. and, and Jarvis Landry finally get some reps. You know, the other thing that um, you saw, Demetric Felton, you're mentioning Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, Andrew Barry's starting to find guys later in in the draft that can can play. And I think that is because the Browns understand who they are as a team. You know, the coach and the and the GM understand what type of players they're looking for. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it, and it starts with having a desire to learn and to remain curious, to be coachable, and then to be competitive. Uh, this is a unit that, though they don't come off as a, a raw, raw, and in-your-face type of team, they're extremely competitive between the lines. We're seeing it every day out at training camp. We're really going to see it when practice revs up this week with, with the Giants in town for the joint practices. It's a competitive unit, and that's because they've got talent all over the roster. And if you're out there, it's going to be because you beat out a, a really talented player in front of you. Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we'll talk more about those joint practices with the Giants, what uh, we need to see, and what position groups Ellis will be looking at when he watches the Giants and the Browns practice a little later this week. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Life is getting back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-C can help with tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to tri-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. So, what are you waiting for? Register now for fall classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. We continue talking Browns football with Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. So um, ESPN's getup, Mike Greenberg, uh, who he thinks will win the AFC North this year. I also will take Cleveland, and Dominique, I will disagree with you. I think they have a lot of sure things on their roster. Yes, some of the additions they make might make them better, but by the end of last season, I thought they were a team that was ready to go to the Super Bowl last year, and they should get better based upon that, based upon familiarity in the system and the addition of Odell Beckham. You keep telling me they're going to be better with Odell on that offensive side. If they are, I think they might be the best team in the entire AFC. Let's bring back in Ellis Williams. Ellis, three of the four national folks think the Browns will beat the Ravens. I think that's going to be really interesting. I think the Ravens are a really good football team, um, and I think the Browns are right there with them. Yeah, it's a loaded division, and it always has been, and now the Browns are in that upper echelon with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. And this is going to be a division that comes down to the, the end of the year, really how these two teams are playing after Thanksgiving. I would expect Browns fans to – or advise Browns fans to be patient through the month of September, especially with that Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. connection. Uh, this is a team that understands that it's a war of attrition. Their two best defensive players, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, are guys that they need rushing the passer at their best come November and December. 
and not so much in September and October. So it, it's going to be a, a slow build to when teams need to start playing their best. And, and the Browns have one of the best rosters in football. It was talked about all offseason. It remains true. Just to play a little devil's advocate, if, if we're saying you know, how could this go wrong, not saying it will, but it's just important to acknowledge all possibilities, right? The Browns were 7-2 and two in one-score games a year ago. Again, I mentioned the top heaviness of their pass rush. Uh, Jay Van Clowney is a guy who has a history of not staying healthy. If they lose him, you know, Tack McKinley is still n- not around the team. It, it becomes a position uh, that you see that they didn't address in the draft, and that might come back to hurt them. And then the number two corner spot. We already talked about Greedy Williams and Greg Newsom. It, it's pretty obvious uh, in Jacksonville that they're going to throw at whoever the number two corner is for the Browns, so that player is going to have to prove themselves quickly. And those are all things that that's a, if it goes one way. The other way is that this roster functions at all parts. The, the names play like they're stars, and, and you're looking at a Brown team that wins the AFC North and then you know can get to an AFC Championship game quite possibly and then on to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the thing I would say is keep your ear out. The Browns have a loaded roster. There's a lot of depth. They may make some trade. It won't be for a marquee name defensive end, but – but they may try to get you know that third guy in the rotation that gives them some some um, you know insurance in the event Tack McKinley you know can't come back and and do what what he needs to do as well. So that's just something to keep an eye on as as you get near cut down day. All right, what do we need to see from the Browns this week in, in as they practice against the Giants later in this week? Let's start with health. A lot of guys injured. A lot of hamstrings. Being specific, I think Ronnie Harrison's a guy that you'd love to see get out there as he prepares now to get in the lineup for week one. It sounds like Grant Delpit is running out of time to be a part of the game plan against the Chiefs, but that remains to be seen. I think getting these safeties back, nursing these hamstrings, Anthony Schwartz is a guy that comes fancy hinted who might be coming back this week. So just getting healthy from that standpoint. And then, of course, you know, the big names, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, were both on the injury report. And you think that's more veteran stuff, but you never know. So just updates there and staying healthy. As for on the field stuff, you want to see how players win their reps against the opponent. And that sounds obvious, but what I'm trying to say is they've had now 13, 14 practices of going up against their own guys. It gets to a point where you know the reps already. You know who you're going up against. You know what they like. You know their preferences. You know how you can beat them. And it, it just gets difficult to evaluate. Now with the Giants coming into town, you get an opportunity to – get new blood in there and you're going up against an actual opponent. I want to see Baker Mayfield and Austin Hooper have a good two practices against the Giants. I want to see I want to see how they replace Steven Carlson now that they're down to really three tight ends. Is there a guy on this roster that can step up or are they going to have to bring someone in? The tight end room is what I'm going to be watching. And then again, the safeties, if they're back healthy, how are they playing since that is such an emphasis in Joe Woods defense this year? All right. When you're out there and, and it's Thursday, Friday that they're doing the joint practices, correct, against the Giants? I think that's right. It's, yep. it's later in the week. So what are you going to be watching? What, what uh, matchups when they're practicing against the Giants have you intrigued that, that you actually want to go and watch? Yeah, my, my favorite is to watch one-on-ones, cornerbacks, receivers, just to see, uh, that, again, like I said in, in a little bit with the last question, it's new blood you're going against a true opponent. So I want to see Jarvis Landry one-on-one against James Bradbury. I want to see how Donovan Peoples-Jones goes up against – a defensive unit in the Giants that it could be one of the best this year. Patrick Graham is probably an up-and-coming head coach. He's the defensive coordinator for the Giants. So they're going to be bringing a physical brand of football. Joe Judge, if anyone saw the reports from a couple weeks ago, the Giants had a fight breakout early in practice, and he had his players running Friday Night Light style. It's going to be high energy and, and, and should be fun and should, again, breathe new life into a practice that I think has been kind of not – stagnant but you can tell that these guys are getting sick of hitting their own their own guys so now going against jacksonville and knowing new york's coming to town get healthy and then let's watch these matchups specifically tight ends and safeties receivers corners and let's see these browns offensive players get open against one of the better defenses in the league how impressed were you with kyle laletta uh you know the the third string quarterback i mean he looked like an nfl quarterback which i think is to my way of thinking, that's really all you want your third-string quarterback to do, look like he can play the position at that level. 
Yeah, I think this actually, what I'm about to say, says a lot about the depth of the Browns' defense because he has not looked all that great in practice. You know, he hasn't, not that the third string quarterback gets a whole lot of opportunity. You know, Case Keenum gets a lot of those reps when Baker Mayfield isn't getting them. But, you know, I just, he hasn't done anything to make you pop. And then you see his stat line and you see the performance. Of course, the 20 play, uh, 89 yard drive that took up 10 minutes. He, he quarterbacked the team and he did a nice job of it. And so it tells me two things. He has the capabilities of probably being an NFL quarterback and, the Browns defense is a lot deeper than you realize because he hasn't been doing this against the twos and threes that he's been going up against. And he did against Jacksonville. Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for the plane dealer, as well as cleveland.com. Ellis love talking to you. Appreciate the time and the insight as always. Thanks very much. Always a blast. Thanks. All right. Ellis Williams, make sure you read them in the plane dealer as well as cleveland.com. That'll do it for this edition of sports for CLE scheduled guests tomorrow. Jeff Phelps from 923 the fan and the Browns radio network as well as Spencer Schultz, Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. We will talk Ravens with Spencer Schultz. That'll do it for this edition of Sports for CLE. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 on Sports for CLE.